Welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was changing careers, getting laid off from a job which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling. All of these types of situations and more, but they wouldn't have gotten to where they're at today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of these getting started moments and the lessons learned along the way. I'm grateful to have you listening in along on this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Jared Narlock, who is a keynote speaker, author, and talent development coach who teaches leaders how to build highly engaged and accountable teams. He has more than 16 years of experience partnering with C-level executives chief culture officers, leaders, and HR professionals. His background encompasses all aspects of human resources with an emphasis on organizational development and employee relations. Jared is a former vice president of talent development and TEDx speaker. His writings have been published on Forbes, ATD, and training industry. After being honorably discharged from the United States Air Force and finishing his graduate degree, Jared went on to further his passion for learning and serving others by obtaining certifications with the International Coach Federation as an Associate Certified Coach and with the Society for Human Resource Management as a Senior Certified Professional. His new book, Becoming a Peaceful Power Leader, How to Shed Fear, Live Courageously, and Own Your Peace, provides leaders with a toolkit for becoming more effective by replacing often ineffective external efforts with powerful internal shifts. I hope you all enjoy this wide-ranging conversation. I know I did. We go into a lot of different pockets here on this conversation, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think you will too. So without further ado, please welcome in Jared Narlock. Jared, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to to chat with you. Um, I know know, we're leading into the conversation name, just kind of chit chat as I always do with the, the gas. And I actually wanted to start if it's cool with you, um, you know, you're chatting a little about the marathon that you're training for. And I thought that was really cool because we, before we go down the rabbit hole of all this stuff that you're passionate about and, and kind of the, the, the purpose driven life that you have uh, around leadership and stuff like that, I really want to chat about this marathon stuff because this is a lot, you know, we all do things outside of, the work, right? These other things that were that we enjoy. So can you share just a little bit about because I was so fascinated about just like the act of running that much? Because doing cross, I don't know how much you know about CrossFit, but it's very short kind of burst type stuff. So I commend you uh for that length. But yeah, share a little about the 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 training regimen of marathon because I'm always fascinated about how much actual work goes into that. For sure. And and I love CrossFit. I was a part of a great CrossFit gym a few years ago. And that's actually what got me into running as I was uh, working on my well-being. It was a piece that was important to me and got into running and found how much I liked it and just continued. Uh, but it is, it's a, it's a different experience. And I look at it kind of as a challenge, just like from a leadership perspective, uh, there's a lot of things that go into it physically and mentally and how we grow and develop. I'm training for my third marathon. It is the Chicago Marathon coming up in just about a month. And this has been such a unique experience. We moved uh, two years ago from Oregon here to Florida. So this is the first time I'm training for a marathon in Florida. And it is a completely different environment trying to get through these summer months 
And as I was sharing with you, I just did 17 miles on Saturday. And so I'm progressing. I'm almost at that peak point where I'm ready. But it's such a, a great thing. As, as you mentioned, we have so much going on. And for me, well-being is important. And at the same time, what running does for me is it gives me an opportunity to think at times on those long runs. I reflect on you know, what is working well, what are things that I have coming forward. And I also love audiobooks. So sometimes I'll get my audiobooks in there and just make it a, an experience that I'm with myself in different ways and then challenging. First, it was a 10K, then a half marathon, and, and now a few full marathons and saying, can I do this and what's it going to take? So always a fun experience. Why do you do it for the challenge? Like, is that the like, OK, let me go one step further than I had before. Is that do you like to push yourself to limits there or is that what you find is the most, uh, I guess, beneficial of doing these? I think that piece, and then just from a health and wellness perspective, I, for a few years after I got out of the Air Force, I put on about 40 pounds, and that's what got me into CrossFit. I had a friend who introduced me to this wonderful uh, individual who was running his own gym, and he helped me find that passion and love for working out and connecting to a different purpose, and, and then he was the one that introduced to say, hey, where can you set that next challenge at and go for it, but do it for yourself. And so that's always been, whether it's been, you know, a Spartan race or a marathon saying, Hey, I think I can do this. What's it going to take? And how's it going to cause me to challenge myself a little bit further. And so to that point, I think it's a little bit of both. I love the fact that now when I go and do my annual physical and biometric screening, that it's coming up in the green versus years ago. A lot of it was in the red and, and knowing that that's huge. And then at the same time, just looking to say, okay, what's this event? Like earlier this year, I, I ran on the beach at 10K. Never had done that before and realized running in the sand is a completely different experience and a different challenge for sure. Yeah. Did, I want to go down this path actually for another minute or two if I can, because one of the things you brought up about, you know, getting on the military and, you know, gaining 40 pounds I, I don't know what that is. I was in the military. I, I'm assuming you were doing training every day or a lot of days in the military. So maybe getting off that schedule was part of it. I don't know if it was something else, but what I'm really trying to get at is this whole, this whole part of decision-making because you might say like, gosh, you know, I've gained 40 pounds. I, I really got to lose some weight or I get in better shape, but the act of actually saying it and then actually doing it are two different things. So how did you commit to that change and say, all right, I actually got to get back in better shape? Was there anything that sparked that to actually say, I'm going to do it and here's how I'm going to do it? So a big one, and I know it's something that, that you talk about at times and, and that actually got us connected was community. And there was someone in my community that was a, a person that I was friends with from a leadership development perspective. And I had shared that I'd always wanted to do a Tough Mudder. And the reason for that is those races are team-based. You're going in with a group and it's a different perspective. And I said, you know, I haven't found anyone that was willing to commit. And this person surprised me with a gift, said, I registered you, I'm willing to train with you. And then they introduced me to that person who was running his own gym. And that individual, when he heard about it, he said, I'll do it with you as well. And so that community came together. And the reason why the person registered me, because they knew me by that point, and they knew that if I said I wanted to do something, I'd follow through on doing it. That's one thing that if I speak it out loud, I'm going to work to make it happen. And so they knew I had the right perspective, the right heart around it. 
And at the same time through the process, by the time we ran the Tough Mudder, which was about eight months later, I had lost about 30 pounds uh, just through the, the physical process. And then from there, I found a love for it and realized, oh, wow, this is a part of, of now my decisions going forward of, of what's in my normal routine and how I want to bring it about in the other things that I do. And so uh, that's ultimately what led to it was community and someone saying, hey, you said you wanted this. Here it is. I'm going to help you with it. And then jumping in and saying, hey, I'm going all in. And from there here, it's been over four years now, right around four years mm. uh, that I've been able to keep the weight off and loving it and about to, as I shared, go and run the Chicago Marathon and cannot wait. Awesome, man. Well, uh, good luck with the <laughs> the marathon there. Uh, hopefully, it'll, actually, it'll be a lot cooler up in Chicago in a month. So that'll be uh, that'll probably be very refreshing. That's what my running coach keeps telling me. I keep asking her, how do you do this? Because she has uh, ran in Orlando for well over 20 years. And she keeps saying, Jared, Chicago will be a breeze weather-wise. So I can't wait. Yeah, it's like you're training up in high altitudes, and then you come down to sea level, and you just crush it. So <laughs> Yes. Um, sure. By the way, what, uh, what audiobooks are you listening to? Anything particular you'd call out that's been beneficial? Um, one of the most recent ones, because I kept hearing great things about it, and I had actually read some of the book, but loved the approach of audio just because of what he introduced coming over his speech impediment to do the audio version is Tiny Habits by Dr. B.J. Fogg. And I love his approach. Uh, but one of the cool things was he, he talks about at the beginning of the audio, and I had gotten wind of it, that he had had a speech impediment for a long time. And so he had a goal for himself to be able to be the one that read the audio book and he had to audition for it. And he talks about that. And it was just so cool to hear and you could hear the excitement and it's awesome listening. And then the way that he breaks down because it's his research, his work, it just makes it that much more meaningful. Have you, uh, have you read can't hurt me by David Goggins? I have, I have. And, <laughs> have and, you listened and to the audio book? to the audio. Oh yes. my gosh. Yes. Yeah. It's so awesome. Anyone out there listening in the, I, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, it's such an unbelievable book. The story's great because it reminds me because he gained a lot of, I mean, he went through ebbs and flows, but he gained a lot of weight when he left the military. Yes. And, and obviously that story is just tremendous in itself of what he's done, but yeah, the audiobook's just tremendous. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, he's a, another one. He builds it in almost like a podcast in the audio book yep. itself. Really cool. Yeah. It's definitely a good, uh, good listen for those out there looking for something else to put on their list. Um, so I want to talk about your journey a little bit, and obviously the, maybe the military slips into it and, and some of the other stuff you've transitioned to, but I always like to, you know, you mentioned the community before, and, and there was probably a mix of serendipity mixed in there, right, of meeting folks and, and, and timing and those type of things, but can you share a turning point, maybe there's one, maybe two that you can remember that got you onto this path that you're on today? Because I'm assuming, you know, if we talked 20 years ago, you weren't going to be doing what you're doing today, right? It just, you know, so how did you transition to get down on this path? What was something that kind of sparked that change in uh, trajectory, if you will? Well, that's huge. And it's probably two, two points. And the first one being when I was in the Air Force, I knew I, I went in the Air Force because I was working at the time in a, um, a job where a lot of the people were a few years older than me, they were already in college, and they were talking about student loans. And I thought, oh, wow, they really don't seem to be excited about these student loans. And I had heard that the Air Force at that time was paying 100% tuition 
for active duty. And so I thought, okay, this was good. My, my parents had both served. My dad actually retired and it had done him well. So I went into the Air Force and was assigned the job of working on computers, which I liked because I liked learning new things, but ultimately I loved working with people. And so I found that you had the opportunity to do a special duty assignment as an instructor. And the minute I was able to apply to do that special duty assignment, I did. I ended up being the youngest person there. I ended up being the lowest ranking. And that was uh, interesting in itself, but I was in love with it, passionate about it, learned about adult education, learned about objectives and testing and, and that whole piece. And so did that for almost four years in the Air Force and transitioned into that uh, once I, I was honorably discharged from the Air Force and absolutely knew that was the path. I wanted to work with people in the sense of coaching, professional leadership development. And then the other turning point was my first role as a director I was a director of learning and organizational development, and I had this amazing executive leader, a chief of human resources, who really, she invested in me, she built me up in different ways, and she took away some of the limiting beliefs by what she was showing me and gave me the idea of, oh, wow, not only can I do this internally, but from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I can do this externally. I can go beyond what I thought was potentially possible. And so those two pivot points, I've been doing the instructional development in those pieces, adult education for almost 17 years now, uh, but it wasn't until about seven years ago that that interaction happened with her and it just opened the door to a brand new world. Did you always have the confidence? Because obviously what you're doing now with your, your business, um, Peaceful Power Leadership, did that was that something you had confidence starting and getting going with, or did it take a while to rev that engine and be like, you know what, I think I can do this on my own. How did that, I guess the internal dialogue go. Sure. Sure. It's one of those pieces that I would say confidence was there in certain parts and in other parts, it was definitely lacking in the fact that I had been for years speaking on different stages, doing some minor consulting work, people asking. But a big part of that for me was an identity. I'd been with an organization for quite a quite a long time. And I had the titles, you know, I had the director title, I had the executive title. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, my limiting belief was, well, these doors are being open because I have that title. And it made it easier when you were uh, vice president of talent development to say, Hey, you know, I heard you're, you're interested in, in this uh, type of speaking opportunity and here's what I can offer. And what the story I was telling myself was, Oh, they're opening that door, not because of the experience, not because of the recommendations, but because of the title. And so when I made the decision to pivot and walk away from that role, I thought, well, now what, you know, that was my identity that was opening the door and I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do this. And the reality is that that piece of community and connectedness was really what opened that door even further and realizing, oh, it was nothing on the title. It was in those interactions and people knowing the time, the energy, the effort, the years that I've spent in research and the years that I've spent in helping others that continue to open those doors. But it was a tough one because I wasn't sure. And I, for a while, was defining myself by that title, by that role. And uh, there were there were some self-doubt moments at times. Well, you know, because a lot of folks, you know, we have that, you know, you mentioned student loans earlier. On the flip side of it, it's like, hey, I'm getting 
a regular paycheck. I have health care. I have these benefits. I have certain working hours. Did that go in? I, I guess what I'm, I'm really trying to understand is, was it a rip the bandit off moment or was there a steady transition? I guess. How did, how did you do? Oh, that? that's, that's a great question. It's actually a steady transition and continues to be that because there are components that I love about working with a team as, mm-hmm. as I know, you know, and many that you've talked with uh, that entrepreneurial role, depending on what type of business it is, it can be a lonely place at times. Right. And for someone that loves that connection, I still, I still love being tied internally with an organization and having a team and seeing those consistent faces But at the same time, I know that there are people out there who can't necessarily have that internal resource, but are still looking for growth and development with their teams. And so being able to have a balance of that, and I know you and I talked about this at at one point, uh, at a different point that, you know, I don't know, it it definitely has been a, a slower transition by choice. I have had people say, hey, would you go all in and, and here and having to actually say no to certain things because that just wasn't fully in alignment with my values and, and wanting to go all in. Uh, but it's certainly a discussion that I've had with, with my wife, you know, my partner, uh, one that she fully supports if, if I'm willing to take that leap and want to full time. Uh, but at the same time, I do love the different types of communities, the way that I can help. And as long as I'm finding purpose and meaning in that, that may be the case. Uh, versus some that I know who I support in different ways, who they ripped that Band-Aid off, they went right. in full steam ahead, and they're doing outstanding. And that connected to their passion, their purpose with the work. And I had no doubt when they were doing it, oh, they're going to be successful at that. Yeah, I don't think there's a a right or wrong way to do it. I mean, I think you got to do what's best for you and where you're at in life. And, um, you know, it's, I don't know why there's judging out there like, oh, they did it this way, they did that. It's like, everyone's different. Everyone has different circumstances. Sure. As long as you're kind of leading down the path you want to go, sometimes, yeah, that might be right away. Other times that takes years. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, I think, I think where it gets missed or lost, I guess, at least what I noticed kind of you know reading stuff online and, and looking at different things is, when you look at someone that's what would feel further ahead, you almost forget that. And that's why I love this podcast. Um, and having folks like you on there that are kind of in the more early years, right? Um, I always make the joke, like, like if I had Oprah on talking, like ever Oprah's way out there, but she started at one point, right? She was back at the local news station and kind of all those things. People forget that, right? They think she's Oprah's always been Oprah. And she would probably tell you, I bet, because she's probably very humble as it is, at least from watching for 30 years. Like she probably would say like, no, it just took a long time. And then slowly some things. So I think, you know, kind of, you know, landing the plane here, like there's an opportunity for all of us to look at where we're at and then make that educated choice, what we feel is best, you know? Yeah, I do. I think that is such a big piece and knowing that, and I see that sometimes where people struggle, they get into that comparison Mm -hmm. and forget the fact that, Hey, I don't know that person's journey. And I don't know if that was, and from my experience, it usually isn't overnight, but sometimes people will say, well, well, they got there so quick. And, you know, the reality is, no, it probably took years. It's just that they became known in, in you know, what appeared quick to you because you didn't know about them or what they, they had to offer beforehand. But the reality is it, it takes work. And that's that big piece of, of when I started doing the external work and thinking, oh, 
is it this, this title? But the truth was I knew the stuff I had done my research. I had done different certifications. I had spent years getting my coaching certification and putting the time, energy, and effort. And even before ever stepping into that, and it took time, but then uh, the other piece that you mentioned is, is you never know when that tipping point is going to be. And that's a big piece from an entrepreneurial standpoint of having those, those peaks and valleys. And there are times where, uh, as I mentioned, I had to say no to work because it was just outside of my capacity. And then other times when you're thinking, okay, when's that next opportunity kind of going to come forward? Uh, but uh, as long as you, know, you, you are staying within your locus of control, I always look at that and say, okay, I want to be accountable. What's within my locus of control? If, if something's not happening, how do I pick up the phone and make it happen? If something is happening, how am I ensuring that I'm still in alignment with my values and the other areas of my life and, and keeping that alignment the way that I want, whether it be volunteer work or with my family and the business as a whole, but uh, just, just such a big piece. And with all that, not comparing to others, because whether they're right beside me, ahead of me, whatever it may be, I don't know their journey. And I find it's a much more peaceful place when I'm staying within my locus of control, owning and setting my reality, not comparing to somebody else's. Yeah, it's so funny with the comparison. I think about this a lot. And and now obviously with the NFL season just starting, like you you, know, you see like they do QB comparisons and yes. like, oh, this person got drafted in number two and this person number three or something like, you know, and they're like, well, they should have be at the same. And I'm like, wait a minute, you, 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 the backgrounds are totally different. Their personal lives are totally different. The systems they're in and coaches, everything is different. How can you compare them and say they're, they should be similar on the same quote unquote playing field? I, I just think it's, I don't know. I think it's disingenuous almost to kind of try to compare because everyone has their different path, you know, different journey. So, so true. And, and one of the things that it was probably one of the biggest aha moments for me in, in, you know, my life was realizing that everybody's trying to give their best and their best looks different from day in and day out. And probably what was the biggest moment for me, my son, a few years ago was diagnosed with focal point epilepsy and I was in Seattle actually getting ready to speak at a conference that morning. And my wife called and said, hey, you know, Caden is a full on seizure. You know, what do I do? And, you know, just trying to talk through it as, as she knew what to do, but just kind of in the moment of finding him like that. And he ended up being life flighted to a children's hospital. Mm. And I always remember, I remember my best the day before that happened and what it looked like and my best when he was finally discharged from the hospital and, and it took a while as I wasn't sleeping the same anymore because he was likely to have these seizures at night while he was, you know, sleeping and just realizing we never know to your point, what's that, that other QBs family life, what are they going through? Yeah. The realities are so different. And so to compare, sure, if it's a sport, you can look at their numbers, but to say this person should be here and this person should be here, we don't know. We don't know their their individual goals unless they're deciding to share it. But that was something that shaped for me. And, and anytime I look at someone and maybe I start to go into judgment, I quickly remind myself, get back into curiosity. And, you know, how can I help this person? How do I ask the right questions? Because I would never want anyone to do that for me, especially knowing how much I struggled after that happened. Yeah. And that's a good transition to, you know, I was just curious to ask a little bit about from a leadership side, obviously working with a lot, working with a lot of organizations and ones you've been at, what are, what have you found, I guess, maybe, you know, this is a good way to put it to, as a jump off. Like what have you found has changed? Let's take the last 10 years. 
what was leadership development coaching 10 years ago? What are, what's the conversation like today? Like what's changed in that time? Cause obviously our world's changed tremendously. What are some of the conversations like now versus then? Yeah, that it, a lot has changed. Those traditional competency models that you would see, you didn't see things like vulnerability on there where Dr. Brene Brown has obviously introduced vulnerability and, and other uh, wonderful coaches and mentors have talked about that from a social science perspective and the way trust is focused on uh, both Brene and, and Stephen M. R. Covey talk a lot about trust. And, and I saw how much of a focal point in, in leadership development that is so often I'd have different leadership clients come and say, my team is struggling and they'll say communication. But when we look at the root cause of it, it's trust. And then talking about, hey, how do you talk about trust? Well, it's not openly talked about, right? Gone are the days from the, the trust falls, right? right? To really having gritty, open conversations and understanding how to deal with emotions. Even the, the Air Force, the Air Force has changed drastically in the sense that for a long time, it was hey, rub some dirt on it. We don't talk about emotions. You stand in alignment. You know, don't challenge the orders. And they found it was really unhealthy process. And I got to go through uh, Dr. Brene Brown's Dare to Lead certification. And I was there with a colonel from the Air Force who really, she did some wonderful work to bring that into that environment, knowing that there are so many benefits that these individuals, just like in any workplace, were struggling with how do they embrace their emotions and we love to embrace those easier emotions, but then there's those harder emotions that we may not know how to get there. And so we may be doing unhealthy things like pushing them away. And that's something that leaders weren't, you wouldn't see that on a, on a competency model over a decade ago. It was more of directing and managing and, and how to break that down. And now really saying, okay, how can we help this person explore their values, what's important to them, explore their emotions so that they understand it as a leader and they can realize when maybe they're telling themselves a story and when they're stepping out of out of fact into fiction and how do they coach on that as well? How do they invite someone into a partnership accountability? And so those are some pieces that have changed over the last 10 years of really realizing that one, employees are looking for it. They're looking for an authentic and humanistic workplace. Yeah. And then two, as leaders, how, how do we help them open to that discussion, explore it within themselves, and then in turn, be able to explore that with those that they lead because it's a hard role. I always commend any leader, whether informal or formal, because it takes courage and it takes stepping into the unknown and serving others in unique ways. Yeah. I mean, because we're all different. We're all humans in our own right. So on a personal level, like who knows how that home life is or the 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 personal life, if you will, for that leader. And then they have to come in to work. And now let's say they have, I don't know, maybe there's 10 people that they're, they're you know, uh, leading. Everyone's different themselves. Like it's almost like they have to become a part like psychologist, a part like, like there's all these like new roles. I, I guess, how do you, my big thing is what, what I'm always curious to learn is how you get someone to, to change. So for instance, I, not more the new leaders, right? Because maybe they've grown up with this, but the, someone that's been doing it that way for 10 or 20 years, and then you're coming in saying, Hey, this is a new different way. It's kind of the teaching the old dog, new tricks kind of thing. Do you guys find that a, a very challenging or are there certain techniques that have worked even for those folks? Uh, for 
in some instances, I would say challenging, but for the most part now, organizations that aren't really looking for the different work environment, the different way of leading, they're going to struggle recruiting. And, and many of them have, and they've talked about it. There's examples out there of organizations that have changed their whole structure because people weren't knocking at their doors the way that they used to be, very well-known organizations versus those organizations that a lot of them being entrepreneurial organizations. One I speak about is a, an architectural firm in DC where this individual that I know, him and his partner, they opened it up because they couldn't find it. They couldn't find that workplace. And they said, let's create it. One where people can do awesome stuff and also be their, their true authentic selves. And they, you know, I've been on the, the list of 50 best places to work in DC over and over again. And, you know, that reality being that those organizations that aren't doing that, they don't have people coming, knocking at their doors. So those that are doing it, those that want to lead there are realizing, oh, I'm not going to be able to thrive here because the emphasis isn't on getting the technical results. The emphasis is on taking care of people. And those people in turn will get those business results that they're looking for. And so I have had just uh, two weeks ago, one of the one of the evaluations that I got back, it was exciting to see. And this person said, I've been 40 years now coming towards the end of my career and I've been in leadership roles and this is the best leadership development workshop I've been through. And it had nothing to do with what I knew as traditional leadership because it did focus on how they were embracing their emotions, how they were giving feedback in a, a very direct, but also kind way. And them exploring and realizing, oh, this, this will work. And at the same time, they were part of an organization that pushed them to go to that workshop because they had engagement surveys. They had people-based metrics to where if that leader is thinking, oh, I can just continue to do it this way. Well, just as we have those, those technical business-based metrics, we have those people metrics where they're saying, no, you have high turnover. You're struggling to maintain people. Your engagement's lower. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people have given feedback that they want to be able to talk about this with you. And you seem to be not available for that. And so at, at the end of the day, I think these leaders, for the most part, they want to be there to serve people. They got in that leadership role to take care and to serve others. And so they're looking for opportunities. But it can be intimidating when they're saying, this worked for so long, why won't it now? But then stepping forward and saying, okay, I'm ready to embrace this and knowing that it's not going to happen overnight, that it takes work to take it from awareness to application. And to your point, having multiple different team members and saying, okay, I've got to flex my communication this way for this person. I've got to flex it this way for this person. But then seeing that excitement when that person comes in and says, you know, thank you. Thank you for connecting with me on that. And here's the outcome and knowing, okay, that took some time, but it was definitely worth it. Yeah. You know, for my, um, one of the things I wrote down here, I want to make sure I ask is you are obviously running your business. How, how have you, how have you acquired or gotten clients over the years? Like, is this, has it been a hard struggle of, you know, cause some folks, you know, it's like, I don't know, Brian, I got lucky with it. Some like, Oh no, I got referred here and there. Like, how did you get some of those first clients? How have you maintained that? I'm always curious of kind of the, not the sales cycle, if you will, but kind of how you've moved down the uh, the field, if you will. We'll use it with another NFL reference. If you move the sure. ball down the field. Sure. Some of it is referrals. And that's always exciting when you have those referrals and, and people come. One thing that 
I always try to do is bring realness, whether it's in coaching uh, and the types of questions that I'm asking, or if I'm speaking, you know, one of the, the, my favorite things is when someone comes up after a keynote and says, you know, I've heard other people go through tools similar, but I didn't connect with them because they weren't sharing. And, and, you know, I don't know if it's true or not, but they, they, they felt that connectness and uh, connectedness and said, your story, I could tell was real and I could tell you were using this. And so I'm excited to explore more. And last times I'll have referrals come through that way of people saying, hey, I've heard you're very genuine. I hear you're very open. And and I will tell you, I've, I've said no to some clients because they've come and said, hey, I, I've heard you're, you're you know, really good at this. And, and I want you to come in and do a two hour communication workshop because this is what's happening with my team. And going through a diagnosis process with them to, to find out the root cause, you hear that this has been happening for four years. And I have to share with them, hey, a two-hour workshop is not going to fix what's grown over four years. Right. It's going to take some time and energy and effort. If you want to invest in that, great, I'd be happy to help. But I'm not the right person for, for this two-hour workshop where, yes, I could have a, a nice quick payday, but I'm truly in this to help teams and leaders grow and develop. And so uh, the referrals, because people know that, that, that they're able to see the measurable results. And then sometimes I have people reach out through, you know, them finding me, whether it's uh, being a part of, of, I'm a certified dare to lead facilitator. So Brene Brown's material. So they know Brene and they say, Hey, is there someone in my local area? Oh, here's this person. And then they reach out and we get to talking about what does it truly mean? And so, uh, or it may be that they, I'm certified in the, the DISC profile from a communication perspective. And so going back to what I shared about putting in the time and the effort and the energy to really get to a point where I was able to attain different certifications and people saying, all right, this isn't just someone up there saying, just be positive, right? right. But that can actually speak to it. And putting the time in from, from a leadership role perspective, I had some really tough leadership roles where I learned a lot hands-on of what not to do and going out myself and continuing to grow and having coached myself throughout the way uh, in that, that growth process. And so those clients have come in both ways, referrals, and sometimes people finding it through one of those channels of certification and saying, we want this, and then making sure that you know I'm the right fit for them because while I, I love the work, I love it when I'm, I'm with a collaborative partner and they know I'm there bringing my right. whole heart that it's part of my purpose to, to help them. Well, and that's one of the things, you know, anyone starting a business, and this is I, this comes up a lot. That's why I was kind of picking your brain on it because you want to do leadership development. You want to speak. You know, you're you're right. And we'll try about the book here in a minute. You normally, when you start a business, you forget about, oh yeah, I got to do taxation stuff. I got to do number, you know, I got to do all the, the receding. I have to bring in sales. So like all of that other stuff that's away from the business, how do you focus on that? Like, is there any time management stuff that you're doing? Is there, is there, you know, do you block out calendars? How do you actually get all the other stuff done that, unless I'm wrong, it's not like you love doing that. Probably you like doing the leadership stuff. So how do you manage to make sure that gets done as well? Yes. And time management is a, is a big piece of, or one of my favorite books is essentialism and going through a process and looking and saying, okay, what are the pieces that I don't mind doing that, you know, I do have time set aside because I do block time out 
In fact, I have a calendar exercise that I talk about in uh, one of my, uh, my book, Becoming a Peaceful Power Leader, and setting time aside. I talk about it more from a growth and development sacred time perspective, but I also use it for some of those business necessities and saying, okay, I don't mind doing this, and I'm learning in the process. And then there are some things that, hey, that's something I don't really enjoy, and from a resource perspective, if I have the ability to be able to pay for someone else to take care of that, then I'll do that because it's, it's, I'm able to use my time more effectively to put back into the business in the areas that I like than you know, what it costs to, to ask someone to help with that resource. And so really finding a, an alignment and a balance of what are those areas that are going to challenge me that I'm still enjoying that I can do on my own and trying to allocate. And as you know, and I'm sure you've, you've talked with many people, the money is tight when you're starting out the gate as an entrepreneur and you want to make every bit of that penny go as far as it can. Uh, but at the same time, if, if it's taking you more time on a particular piece because you don't enjoy it and, and it's not looked at as a challenge, but just a burden for you trying to figure out a way. And, and even sometimes that, that trade-off, you know, I've had different people say, well, you know, I can work on that would you be willing to run this workshop or, you know, talk to me about what is, is public speaking really like? And, and some of that trade and, and uh, bartering perspective there uh, has, has come in handy as well. Well, you mentioned the, the book. Um, what made you want to write with the, the genesis behind that? That is twofold. One, another way to get my why, my purpose, which is to help others grow and develop and, and truly inspire them to take action. And knowing that, again, I'm only going to be available so many hours of a, of a day, what's something. And so in writing that book, I wrote it from a coaching perspective that somebody can go through the six pieces that are in there and go through the exercises and work towards applying that within themselves, knowing that their journey is going to be different from the next person. So it's not a one size fits all. It's adaptable for their journey. But that being one piece and the other piece being a, a journey for me from a, a an emotional sense. And I, whenever I write, because I write, sometimes I'll, I'll write uh, different blog pieces. I'll write different articles for companies will reach out and say, hey, can you write an article on this? And if it's something I'm passionate about that I can explore further, uh, I'll, I'll do that. And so for the book, it was truly that I was struggling with my piece as a leader. And I start off the, the intro talking about a, a very difficult time in a leadership role where ultimately I went against my values and I went to a self-preserving decision over serving others. Mm -hmm. And when I, you know, walked away from one of my leadership roles, I was in that, that awkwardness of, of not being at peace and not really knowing if I was a leader that I thought I was. And so I went on an exploration because not only was I seeing it in myself, but I was hearing it from coaching clients that were sharing, Hey, I'm trying to give the organization everything they're asking for. I'm trying to take care of these people. And in the end, neither of it seems good enough. And we are good enough, right? We know this, uh, but what does that truly mean? And what does that mean for each individual? And so writing was a way to explore that for myself. And at the same time, have a product uh, as an end result to, to help others. Do you remember the time it took from when you first decided to write and then when the book was finished? What was that time? It was about two and a half years. 
two and a half wow. years from really starting to, to question and actually sitting down and the original intro, I didn't know if it was going to be the intro or not. I just knew there's a lot of lessons in this story and it ended up being the intro. Uh, but from it being finished uh, and it was finished one time and then revisiting and saying, yeah. wait, there's, there's a little bit more here. And then it became, you know, a fun process of, of finding uh, the right publisher after that. Well, the way I was getting at was like, did you, um, I mean, I'm writing one of my books right now and it's kind of like this, you know, you want to schedule time for it, you know, and I've read like one of my favorite books now I just finished reading was bird by bird by Anne Lamont. And, you know, just like, you got to sit down and schedule it, but I find sometimes that's challenging. <laughs> so I'm curious, did you have a dedicated process or was it kind of, ah, you know, I have a few hours here. I have this weekend there. How, how did you kind of uh, muster up, I guess, the, the words to create it into a book. Yeah, that's a, a great piece because I hear it different from, from different people that I've talked to in their approach. For me, I did have a dedicated time, but I didn't always hold to it because there were certain times where I sat down and I knew, I knew I was not in a space where I was excited about writing. And so sometimes in those instances, I would say, you know what, I'm going to go out for a run. And we'll see what happens from there. And so I would go out for a run and sometimes I'd come back and spend uh, the, the last 30 minutes I had left to do writing. And other times I would say, that's it. You know, I'll come back to it. Uh, but I did have a dedicated time. I'm an early riser and I didn't always like to go work out right away. And so I would dedicate that time to uh, writing and uh, some days it'd go great. Every once in a while, though, I always tried, and this is something I appreciate about my significant other, is sometimes it does hit you. You know, you yeah, I'll come back from a run on a Saturday morning, and I was thinking about something, and I thought, I need to sit down and put pen to paper right now. There's something here. And her being open to that, because uh, that was few and far between, but maybe we had plans to go out that morning, and she knew, though, hey, that, that's passionate. It may help others. And, uh, you know, having, having that, but normally it was a dedicated time to answer that question. Yeah. What was the, what was the hardest part of the entire process? Anything you remember is the hardest part. It could have been writing, could have been the publishing, you know, no, there's no right or wrong answer here. I would say probably the hardest part was revisiting some of the stories. When I write, I'm a storyteller. That's, that's how I share I feel like so many people relate to that when you're talking about a growth and development opportunity, but being able to, to share a story and going into that story and seeing it from a different perspective, because maybe it happened a few years ago and realizing, oh, there's some emotions there that I didn't explore as, as, as healthy as I could have and going through that. And I found it actually a very healthy process, but at times it was a little intimidating uh, going back to that. And and that was probably the most difficult and deciding, am I ready to share this? Is this going to help someone? And making sure that I wasn't just in those instances, working out what I needed to work out, yeah. um, but that there was a, a purpose behind it. Was there any level of fear to actually put it out in the world? I would say, you know, sometimes... And that's a good question. At certain points along the way, I would say yes. By the time it was a finished product, no. And the reason for that was I had a wonderful coach that uh, towards the end of the book, I started working with this coach. 
And that was one thing I talked through was some of the limiting beliefs that I had around that. And they were wonderful in helping me explore that to the point of when I was ready to start taking it to publishers, there wasn't that fear of, of judgment or fear of this was good enough. It was the confidence of, I feel great about this. I know it's going to help people and I know the right route is going to come about. But up until then, yes, there was some fear of, okay, how is this going to be accepted? Am I, you know, good enough for this? There's other great people in this field. And why would someone want to, to listen to these pieces? But then you take a step back and realize, well, wait a minute, a lot of this I've worked with people on already. I've been sharing this with them. They've had a lot of success. And why couldn't that be on a larger scale for other people that are looking for it? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I, I think that resistance, um, you know, one of the things that Stephen Pressfield, you know, says with the, the um, war of art, is just like that resistance to actually getting down and doing it because we have in our mind almost that we're not good enough. Like we beat ourselves up, you know, we tell ourselves these stories as I know, I know, uh, Brene Brown talks about that, the stories that we make up, you know? Um, so that's really good. That's I, I'm, I'm, and tell the name of the book again, just for everyone to, to have it. Yes. Uh, becoming a peaceful power leader. And it is uh, available for pre-order now, wherever books are sold, but uh, November 16th is the release date. And, uh, well, that's a good transition then into, I, I want to take you, so obviously you have this whole wealth of, um, you know, career, if you will, military, and then working corporate and, you know, starting your own business, all these things you've learned, you're coaching people. So you've kind of learned that way. If you could go back, so let, let's say someone's starting out right now. So if you think about when you were starting out, so someone's starting on their journey, maybe it's they're starting their own business. Who knows? Maybe it's just, maybe it's that, you know, they're, they're 40 pounds heavier than they want to be and they want to do the marathon or whatever, you know? So anything like that, is there an insight, a story, a quote, anything you would share um, that you think would help them kind of kick them in the gear, give them some confidence to get going? Probably the biggest thing, and, and it's a it's a bigger thing. And so I, I would say the first thing is, is really embracing patience and seeing what patience looks like in that for them. But the, the big overall aspect is spend time investing in learning how to embrace your full spectrum of emotions. And I spent a lot of time in Dr. Susan David's work, Natalie Kogan, uh, Dr. Brene Brown, individuals that did a lot of social science research and development around emotions and seeing so often I had been told, oh, there's positive and negative emotions. But the reality is there's emotions exist in us for reasons. And so reframing that to it's easier and harder emotions. And for a long time, not being able to understand and work towards embracing those harder emotions made life a lot more difficult and made that entrepreneurial journey a lot more difficult because I was wrestling with my ego. I was wrestling with fiction over fact. And once I, I started to embrace that full spectrum of emotions and realize, oh, I can go there. I'm not going to get caught up in it. it. It might be a little bit bumpy, but when I, when I started to embrace those more difficult emotions and go through them and was able to get back to those emotions that I really enjoyed being in, but still acknowledging and embracing those emotions, I became much more at peace. I became much healthier in, in my emotional and physical um, well-being. And it was just a different experience. And there were a lot of tough years that I look back and said, oh, I wish I would have known this from the start because the the literature was there, the the resources were there, 
Uh, I just wasn't aware to the extent. And when I found it, it truly, truly changed my reality. From an actionable standpoint, is that there are there books? Is it workshops? Like what, what would you, I guess, push people toward if they're trying to think like, okay, how do I do that work? I don't know how to do it myself. Any, any coaching there? Yeah, there, there are, there are definitely books. And, and that's one of the big things is, is people love to read. And, and like I said, with my book, I tried to make it to where there were exercises to go through towards action, because that can be a tough thing. We read a book and we love it. And we say, okay, how do I implement it though? Mm-hmm. And so there are some great books like uh, Dr. Susan David's emotional agility. I love that. That's a great starting point. And she has some wonderful pieces, but from then they're finding, finding a coach that may be able to help you to explore, depending on what your goal is with it. I'm a certified coach. I'm not a therapist. And for some people, that's the right route, you know, finding a therapist to help them explore. Um, But doing the research to find out what is your ultimate goal, and then there are paths towards action items there. And taking that and and, and knowing that, whether it be there are some wonderful workshops uh, that will allow you to, go through the process of act, asking questions similar to a coaching process where the questions are being asked and you're going through and, and they're set up to where you are exploring and you are sharing. And there are so many people that with certain pieces of their emotions, they've never said it out loud. And I remember one time working with this group and we were talking about shame and this one individual, she said, I have a best friend that I've talked about everything with. And she said, you know, I have a very healthy process, but she said through this workshop, I realized I've never spoken to her about shame. And I reached out to her and, and she said, you know, I don't speak about it to anyone either. And because she went through the exercises and, and took an actual approach mm-hmm. with those in the workshop, she then realized I need this outside of a workshop. If I'm going to grow further, she found that resource. And so there are different books, there are different workshops. A great starting point, I would say, is uh, Dr. Susan David's work with emotional agility and her TED Talks, wonderful. Just if you want to get a, a, a small taste of, of what you can explore there, and then she has some additional action items. So if we uh, if we were chatting two years from now, Jared, I always like to kind of just to end on this because it's always fun exercise for you. The book obviously be launched. What are you? What would you hopeful that we'd talk about in that interview? What are some things you're excited about over the next year or two, um, or at least that you have set us set out as goals? Maybe some things you want to achieve. That's wonderful. The first thing that comes to mind because it's always connectedness. So I'd say, well, two years from now, I'm excited. I hope that you know this relationship has continued to evolve, right. and and I've gotten to know you even better. And then uh, looking at additional goals. Um, one of the big things is that that people have found value in the book that uh, that they're reaching out, as I said, you know, now they reach out from referrals. Now they reach out from some of the certifications, but that that may be a starting point uh, for them. And for me, um, that still within two years from now, I am I'm growing in, in who I am as a, a speaker, as a coach. Uh, I've been doing it for years, but it's always a, a practice of. Uh, getting better and what does that mean and um, being able to, to help people. It's it's one of those questions. I get to ask that a lot and I don't always have that, that answer of, Oh, here's where I want to be because I really am about living in the present and I yeah. love what I'm doing right now. And so if I'm still doing this type of work and having the, the types of clients that I have now, I am more than, 
loving that and excited about that. But I always want to challenge myself to say, okay, is there a bigger opportunity to impact people in different ways? And what does that look like? And aligning my goals there. And so one of the big ones is there's different levels in the coaching certification that I have. And so that's a big one where two years from now, I would like to be in that next level um, because it, it is different exploration in the work that I get to do with myself and then the different ways that I can help people uh, in their action items around their professional leadership development. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. And I, and I, I kind of, I'm in the same boat with you. Like it's hard to, and that's the reason I like to ask that because it kind of just gets you thinking about the future a little bit. I don't like to go more than one to two years out. I, I, I don't, I'm not a big, like five, 10 year goal guy. I don't know about you. Like, I just can't go that far out. Cause I'm like, I look back, like this podcast has been around for four years. Like if you asked me five years ago, who know, you know, I, I wouldn't have said that. So it's like, you never know what happens in life. So that's why I was like, short, short term kind of is the, is the way, sure. is the way to go. Sure. So um, if everyone wants to uh, say hello online or, or check out the book, anything like that, where's the best place to connect with you? Well, probably the three best places are LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So feel free to, to send a connection and, and uh, would love to get to know you further. And then my website, Peaceful Power Leadership, that's where you can see the different workshops that I offer, the different uh, speaking opportunities and coaching opportunities, and then Twitter. Um, and, and on Twitter, I love Twitter because that's where I connect with a lot of people that are in the world of leadership development who are also runners. And so that being another passion of mine, and uh, found some some excellent individuals already set up some different uh, opportunities when I go to visit somewhere to get a run in uh, someone that maybe I was talking about organizational nice. development in and now we're running side by side so I always get excited about things like that that's awesome um Jared I'm excited for the uh the book to come out and uh thanks for taking some time out being the podcast it's a lot of fun man thank you Brian really appreciate it Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview, and thanks again for stopping by. And just one more quick thing before you run along in your day. If you were looking for some more resources, some more insight, you know, inspiration, things to get you going a little bit further on your journey, feel free to head over to my website, brianondraco.com forward slash subscribe, and you can sign up for my weekly newsletter that comes out. That's more of a digest of a lot of information that I discover throughout the week whether it's a new podcast I listen to, or maybe it's a great follow online that's very insightful, or a video I came across. I put that in a digestible form that you get once a week, as well as I blog three times a week. And these are very micro-type blogs, one to five minute reads. They hit your inbox Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, and maybe give you a little dose of inspiration to get you going on your day. So feel free to sign up for those if it's something you might find as value. Thanks again for listening in. I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.